OTB GAA Burns was on another planet this year boys like in the first half of the All-Ireland final this year Owen Murphy put a puck out down Burns puts the claw up and puts it back over the bar like. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts Just a slight tangent on, on that <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent Just a brief interruption can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is a refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. They're fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, oh, you know what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting... Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Oh, welcome along. A glorious return for a slight tangent. We were away from you last week. We're back now. Willow Callahan here, Mick McCarthy here, Arthur O'Dea here. You're all very welcome. This time last week, pesky Stuart Lancaster was taking up the hour. But now, Arthur, you're back. Yeah, yeah. Like for like. (laughs) (laughs) Great rugby men. The room bereft at the thought of a blue tick costing $8 a month on Twitter. Swearing, we won't do it, but then sometimes thinking... Quite like the blue tick, though. <laughs> <laughs> Do we all have one blue tick? What's another eight euro subscription for something or other? I don't. No, I don't. You two are blue ticks. All right. I don't even know. That wasn't the that wasn't a vanity project, by the way. That was a company thing years ago where somebody went and, and organised it for everyone who was working here at the time. It wasn't something that we yeah went and you held on to it. Well, I mean, I, there's no. I, can you even get rid of it? I don't know. If you change your username, you will. That's what happened to Phil Egan and. Might have been approved to be done, and our emails changed, and they then they approved it. And I haven't looked for it since. Right. Okay. Well, won't be paying eight euro a month. Oh, for it, no. Take it, Elon. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I lose my priority of replies. <laughs> oh no. How is it going to help? The I, I want I want to, to to tweet into the ether anyway, and nobody to see them. Yeah. That's much better because it's the vent without the consequences of the vent. Well, my Twitter life is generally spent tweeting something and then deleting it within 40 seconds. <laughs> and just yeah. thinking, what's the point of even tweeting that? Yeah. It's generally... Well, the other I, thing I, is... You know what? I wish I did that a little bit more often. I think I'd be better... My, my life would be better if I didn't... Absolutely. That's much. my logic. Am I, yeah. Why am I inviting replies to this is basically the thing that makes me delete it almost instantly. So... Um, Different uh, bits and bobs going on. The IRFU has confirmed Ireland will be wearing their navy blue jersey against South Africa. He'll be wearing their dark green kits. So a la 2017 with just a little bit of fog thrown in. Fingers crossed you won't be able to tell which team has the ball for huge portions of the match. Uh, strange decision. Mick has already voiced his displeasure on the news round. Won't stop him doing it again. No. <laughs> I, was about to say, I was about to say, come on lads, get your opinions out there so I can say more. It's very hard to disagree with your point. It's just an odd situation. The one team that we need an away jersey for, we seem to have modelled our away jersey on. Well, why does this? Why does this happen? Is there any reason for this? Is there anything I'm missing out on? Well, the home team has to wear their away jersey when there's a clash of kits, and it just so turns out that our away jersey is also so quite okay. Clashy. Okay, it's so it's probably more so a fact of that they're they was willing to suck that up to sell what might be a more appealing jersey generally but sorry is a is a navy jersey more appealing to the consumer than a white jersey I thought the white jerseys were nice no? see I think the logic on this one Joe and this went for Leinster used to traditionally wear blue and white as well you had a dark kit and then you had a light 
uh, change kit yeah. was that supporters will buy jerseys less frequently if the white jersey looks like the previous white jersey. So therefore you get purples, you get these. Okay. You remember the crazy highlighter green that had the kind of what looked like a tank had rolled over it a couple of years ago? And so you go for slightly wilder designs and then consumers are more likely to purchase them. I think life was just a lot easier when you actually changed for the sake of the kits being different. So I think it South Africa back in maybe 05, 06 when they came to Dublin wore their white strip. Ireland had quite a dark green at the time and everyone could see what was happening. And now this yeah, idea... No, Ireland were away. Ireland were changed in Dublin, but it was probably the other way around. Yeah, you know, like it was... The, the famous one where O'Gara took that cheeky tap penalty that absolutely shouldn't have been allowed. Mm. Ireland were wearing a class white jersey mm. that, that day. Like, just really, really nice. Yeah, for sure. Jonathan Liu is writing a piece. It caught your eye, Arthur. In effect here, he's talking about the commentary business and he's harking back to the days of Davies, Mots and Moore. He said these days, of course, hard to recreate that sense of wonder that was there when they took the mic. Largely, this is down to the sheer crushing volume of live football. And he's uh, wondering, what is the point of commentators these days? So when commentators were very much uh, necessary, pictures were fuzzy, everyone needed a little help recognising which player was which. Does this still hold true in an age of 4K Ultra HD? Names on shirts, augmented reality and overlay graphics. The technology exists to identify players with far greater accuracy and speed than a human commentator ever could. I don't agree with that, by the way. I still think you need a commentator to identify a player, I have to say, but maybe that's just me. Uh, in which case, what purpose does the human serve? If you were starting football from scratch, would you still have these guys chattering away in the background? If not, what's the point of them now? And he's saying as well that, uh, weirdly, the commentator's real job these days is to remind us when we need to run back from the kitchen or to get us to look away from our phone. So he says um, there are all kinds of commentator, the excitable type, the uh, wit and whimsical type, the watch along on YouTube type. But he uh, poses this question. Somewhere in a splintered market, there may just be an audience out there for the very opposite. Football without any commentary. Just a viewer, a screen and the seductive ambient noise of the game. A sparser broadcast, but one that feels all the more immersive as a result, as close to the live experience as it's possible to get. Maybe if you're watching with friends. When he was talking about that image of um, watch with no commentary, it struck back. I, I think... Andy Lee at some point made the comment about watching boxing back and you watch it without the commentary on and it can be a completely different fight to what you're being told mm. as you're watching it. And there's kind of, that makes a degree of sense where there are fewer definitive things. So like, you know, barring a knockout or whatever, like it's, it is really quite, anything could happen a lot of the time I find watching these things, you, if, especially if it's anyway tight. But like football is full of def- definitive things. It's a completely definitive actions. It's almost too definitive now with VAR. Everything is very, very or- very straightforward and very apparent. And if you reduce it just to that, watching on your own as you're watching it play out with no sort of thing, you're, it's a very, becomes a very, I feel like, isolated type experience. You have that sort of colour commentator and the people talking and, and, and that's what becomes more immersive rather than just the football, I feel. I, I don't know. Like That would be my opinion of it. Hmm. I mean, no one's endorsing bad commentary as a starting No, point. exactly. That, yeah, that, that is obvious. But Martin Tyler and Gary Neville, yes, please, every day of the yeah. week. But it's television as well. The idea that you just want to sit there, uh, like you go to a game for that ambience, you watch it, it's a, it's a television programme. The idea that you'd sit there in silence for two hours. Well, it's not <coughs> silence. You get the crowd. I know, but... And, he, and the argument <laughs> is there that... And it, to be fair, I think to Jonathan Lewis he's saying something we haven't actually discussed that much. And he's saying technology has changed so much that the need for a commentator isn't the same as it was when television pictures weren't as good. So now actually, <coughs> is there a market for just the crowd and that sense of being at the game? 
do you still get replays? Oh. You know, I'm just wondering, are you <laughs> yeah. still getting the same? No, because I mean, are you exactly trying to get? Thing. But yeah, so you're not just trying to get the. Because I mean, one thing that I like, if you go to a game, there's at least twice during a match where I will text, what, what was that for? Yeah, or what feed. happened there? So it's you're the same so, feed. We, we've got Marseille Spurs on at the moment, which is nil all. Just, it's that, but just the crowd the noise turned up. Yeah. And no commentary team. I wouldn't mind trying it, but I do think that, I, I just think Garter's point about the almost loneliness of it all is I think dystopian that's sitting there there is <laughs> I mean what's the, you're listening to in some ways a conversation with you and the two commentators like I even find you ever watch like an old match with just a single commentator like a full, whatever match a day like a full 90 minutes with just a single commentator <laughs> yeah. one I don't know how they did it they were brilliant but two is like it feels strange now maybe it's all about what we're conditioned towards and if like Jonathan's if, if Jonathan's was the norm maybe we'd be saying the idea of talking over it would be bananas so like there is there is an element of what we're conditioned towards I, I find it <laughs> look Commentators can be bad a lot of the time and co-commentators that don't necessarily add to the game, but are they not part of what, like, is it not part of it? Is, is it not part of watching a match going, oh, you know, Ronnie Whelan is on RTE, he's going to be giving out about everything now, he thinks, <laughs> he thinks everyone should just score when they get the ball. And, like, I love when Ronnie's doing a game. That's way better than a... a "Quote unquote good announcer who doesn't actually add anything to it. They're just sort of offering mm. something grey and straight. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's a part. I, as you said, nobody's endorsing bad commentary. No, mm. I, <laughs> I think there's a part of. It. I think the conversation around football and sport often like it, the television coverage is a huge part of it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I also think quite a lot of matches are dull enough with some tidy midfield play keeping things largely taking over and at that stage if Martin Tyler and Gary Neville are musing on something I mean that they enhances have a the tangent. experience massively yeah now obviously look bad commentators will also ruin a game of football for me the, the do they that yeah I, you can't just yeah no I mute a lot of commentators yeah I'm just like I'm not listening <laughs> who do you mute Joe? come on <laughs> well there we go uh, I watched an entire World Cup right with my cousin we were only kids this was the 98 World Cup so we were like 13, 14 and my cousin, um, we watched every game that was on. We used to have UTV back then before you had to, you know, learn codes to get it. And every time Ron Atkinson spoke for the entire World Cup, we pressed mute. And I would press it again a couple of seconds later to see if he stopped talking yet. <laughs> it got quite annoying after a few games, I have to say. I started not going over to his house to watch the matches anymore. You know, it's amazing how much I miss Clive Tilsley when uh, he was unceremoniously ditched, in effect. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just a big loss and maybe it's a generational thing and you've got all the memories in 99 and those 90s European nights but I also thought he was br- he had that touch of craft and quality that added to an occasion some occasions are elevated by having the right commentator on it George isn't in the Ireland games anymore mm. yeah. like we've, everyone in this room our entire lives <coughs> has been George Hamilton commentating on Ireland games and for better or worse, I just miss him on it. I have to say, it's nothing to do with Darren Maloney or, or anything like that, who I think is a great commentator. But I just miss George as the soundtrack of the games and the fact that he's still working there 
makes me, you know, you know, if he was retired or gone, you'd be like, fine, we need a new generation. But the fact that he's still there, it's just, it's, I it's was like wondering when Mick's RTE corner was going to start, but it's... Uh, I'm not giving out about anyone. I'm saying as a personal <laughs> viewer. Do you know what really hit home on that one, Joe, about George <laughs> Hamilton, though, was that they had a wonderful package before the Ireland against Scotland game, the qualifier for the Women's World Cup. And George was on the commentaries for all the big moments in the times for the Republic of Ireland qualifying for finals. So in a way, I was delighted that he got to do that game oh, yeah. because the Amber Barrett clip will always forevermore when that's reeling in the ears or that's someone putting the package together in 10, 15 years' time. Did you see the Barrett clip with uh, the reeling in the ears music over it? It was amazing. Oh my God. It already the felt The nostalgia like... just hits you. You're like, I was like, what an amazing time it was in 2022. Oh wait, I'm here and it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> but what it seemed amazing. The Reeling in the Years music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which it would never be in Reeling in the no, Years. No, it wouldn't be, but it just worked. It really worked. <laughs> it made it feel like a 1990s clip. Or, it was like yeah, the intro yeah. to it. Yeah. And it's amazing that music and that clip, it made you think, God, it was just better back then. But yeah. it happened like last week. You know, I don't recognise the, the songs on the new Reeling in the Years, which just completely changes everything. So you're watching the 90s Reeling in the Years, and it's like, no matter what moment it is, something banal like an Irish election, or Bertie elected again. But every song for the entire 24 minutes or whatever, mm. I know every beat of. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can pinpoint the moment that you fall out of popular culture. Yeah, more or less. What year yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah. I don't know, but it's in, the, it's in the new, whatever the latest series is, at some point you're like, yeah, this song is just like, you know, they're, they're playing it on the Late Late Show and it's just like, I've never heard it before. Mm. Um, but it changes the entire tone of Reeling in the Years. Yeah, so whatever Amber Barrett, when we actually do eventually see that, it's going to be an amazing emotional moment and the riding of Ireland qualify for the first ever and then it'll throw to the celebrations afterwards yeah. and so on. And I won't recognise the song and it will completely change the tone. Yeah, that's an interesting point. They cut the Amber Barrett goal. They inter they did interwoven with, um, do you remember the famous... Uh, I think it was a journalist who was crying in Italian 90. Oh, the the guy clapping yeah, in his yeah, hands. In tears yeah, yeah, at Amber yeah, yeah. just, just It was brilliant. Too. That's brilliant. There are times where Twitter is good. <laughs> uh, Keen on Twitter says, very simple, white doesn't sell. I feel like the Irish soccer jerseys, the white soccer jerseys sold. Yeah. yeah. New ones coming up soon as well, so I wonder yeah. what they're going to... Andy in Cork, would I be considered a Luddite for not wearing a national replica shirt because... He's over the age of eight. I haven't played for the country. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I think Luddite's the wrong word there. Yeah. First of all, there's something in that though. Issue. Oh, you should only get to wear the jersey <laughs> if you haven't picked. So like, so you go to a match and nobody's wearing the Ireland jersey except for like, say, uh, like Ollie kids. Campbell. Yeah, kids, kids, <laughs> and Ollie Campbell can wear it. <laughs> Paul O'Connell oh he's in the coaching staff but you know that, yeah. and wouldn't that be cool that way you could see the, yeah. the oh, 50 Jesus. there's your man I do like the idea well, and, and, the and then here. argue with your dad over who he is and when he played for Ireland yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that I, I sort of see where Andy's coming from in that I feel a little bit like define what uh, level Andy supporters jersey don't know no it is of course that's what it, you know no one's there thinking <laughs> no sorry I'm not saying that but I'm saying <laughs> We're it's, all it's not fair enough because you're supporting the supporters element to it no? yeah I don't think Andy's uh, getting the... I, th I think he thought he'd be dismissed out of hand here, but... Uh. Where are you in this, Arthur? Joe's, Joe's worrying Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, where am I on it? It's madness. What, like, what, like, you have to earn the jersey before you wear it. <laughs> what do you mean? Also, like, a, a former international would never wear an Ireland jersey. Yeah, that's the thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we would have no Ireland jerseys except for those colours you have to earn the number basically no colour 
No booing, no cheering, no atmosphere is what I want well, in matches. Yeah. Uh, well, can we bring back emerging. the old rattles that you spun around oh, in circles? Uh, lads, I'm literally watching the Spurs game on mute, listening to you, lads. Plenty of people do it, says John O'Shea. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, there is a case for a fully zoomed out pitch, full view. You can see everything off the ball. Well, that was an option for the Champions League final between Chelsea and Manchester City. Mm. And it was a disaster. And I thought I've been waiting for this forever. And for some reason, I can't remember quite what it was. It just didn't work. I think it was that the stand was just too far away. So to have the full pitch in view at all times. That was the one in Porto, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They tried to do it. And I thought, well, thank God this has finally happened. You know, you can see all 22 players in the pitch. I'm absolutely watching this. And I, I'd say after seven, eight minutes, I realised, well, this isn't working because you were just too far away from yeah. the ball. You couldn't see what was going on. It's great for someone doing stats. It's not great for someone actually watching the yeah. game. Yeah. I think it returns yeah. to the mixed point as well about it. Like, it's it's TV. It's like it's meant to be, they're cutting the scenes you need to see. You don't, like, it's just this raw director's cut of a match where it's just anything's going. It's like, that's not, I presume we're not really attuned to watching that either, even knowing, what we're, like, as much as we all probably think we have a good grasp on football and the different nuances of it that, like, we don't actually know. Well, give yourself some credit. Well, if you go to a game, Obviously, that's what it's trying to replicate. And it is interesting at times to want to know what's going on the other end of the pitch. And I still think we'll get there. But that test case, what, two years ago, my TV anyway, I couldn't see enough of what was going on with Raheem Sterling with the ball at his feet trying to take on a player and having like both goalkeepers. It was just everything was way too far away. It is different than being at the game. I know this sounds like stupid, but your TV is still a lot smaller than, you know, even the big huge TVs at HD than like being at the ground. You are literally turning your head or body towards watching Raheem Sterling with the ball. Mm. You're, you're not watching the full TV at, or the full pitch at all times when you're at a game as much as it wants to replicate that. I know on Monday Night Football, they watch it on a full screen. They watch the whole thing on 22 full players, screen. yeah. It's interesting. The on their big wall. Yeah. Now it's right. massive, so... Yeah. It probably allows But again, it. I'd imagine, I would fair, dare say that with even that massive, massive screen, that probably is a better replica of mm. the stadium. They're not watching all 22 players at all times. They're just watching that and, angle, and, if and you know what I mean. Well, and also the key difference is in a TV studio, there'll be 20 other cameras with the close-up of Sterling with the ball at his feet. Uh, I want to move on. Uh, that journalist says a texter during Italian 90 was the late John Healy of the Irish Times. Yeah. Name rings a bell, so that's it, yeah. Uh, we'll take a very short break. I'll run you through Champions League scores in just a moment and we'll continue a slight tangent. You're welcome back. So, latest in the Champions League, still nil all between Liverpool and Napoli. Rangers are 2-0 down already at home to Ajax. Elsewhere, Atletico Madrid, who are out already, but they're 2-1 down regardless to Porto and Group B. Uh, Bayern and Inter is nil all. Barcelona one nil up away to Victoria Pilsen, and it's still nil all in Marseille. Spurs nil, Marseille nil. Son has gone off with an injury, looked to be limping, maybe his ankle. I think based on the limp, but uh, confirmation to come. Thirty-two minutes in the clock there. Uh, draw for Spurs is enough. Full stop now as well, Joe. They've missed Sorry. out the Europa League because of that defeat as well. So Bayer Leverkusen have finished ahead of Atletico on head to head. So no football after Christmas for Atletico in Europe. Okay. Uh, email in from Pat a slight tangent off the ball.com is where you can get us uh, so this lengthy-ish I'll just uh, give you the gist I'm fanatical about sports especially in soccer lifelong St. Pat supporter it's an illness with no cure he says like golf fans of the beautiful game I eagerly look forward to the World Cup finals when they come around every four years I'm conflicted about Qatar in December uh, in November indeed I mean it's, it's on in three weeks yeah yep. I think the 20th of November isn't yeah. it yeah. Sunday is it starts on a Sunday 
Uh, FIFA awarding Qatar World Cup hosting duties. It's got to go down as the most corrupt and immoral act ever by any sporting body. FIFA and their corporate sponsors, blinded by their own greed, appear to have looked the other way in terms of Qatar's appalling human rights record. Truly sickening. No amount of FIFA PR propaganda can change that. Ultimately, there is no getting away from the fact that many of the thousands of immigrants employed to work on the stadium and construction, etc., have been exploited, abused and in many cases have died. People dying just so the world can watch games of football. How twisted is that? He goes on to say, I suspect I'm not the only soccer fan that holds these views. Uh, There are more important issues at play than the 64 games of football. Disappointing that none of the national bodies across world football have made any meaningful stand against the travesty. By that I mean boycotting the tournament. I'm convinced that if one of the larger federations had made this stand, others would have followed, thereby probably forcing FIFA to seek an alternative host. It's now probably too late for that type of action. So I'm calling on everyone to vote with their remote controls and simply don't watch the World Cup. I know it's a big ask and it's something that would be painful to football fans, myself included, but that pain is nothing compared to the pain experienced by those exploited by the Qatari state. I am uh, aware of the counter arguments. Many will argue sports washing, financial support of sports bodies and sports clubs form questionable, from questionable sources like Newcastle, Live Golf, etc. is simply part of the landscape. But I think a line has been crossed in Qatar. Perhaps if TV viewing of the tournament is boycotted in large numbers, it might inflict some financial pain in FIFA and or their sponsors, which might in turn prompt them to operate more ethically in the future. In summary, I think the masses should make a stand. Don't watch the games. Don't bet on the games. Don't buy World Cup memorabilia. I ask that you simply read out this email and off the ball, which hopefully will at least prompt some people to seriously consider this issue. Yours in sport, Pat, is the email. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'd agree with them totally. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't feel much the same. There's some points in there that are just like you say them out loud, like the how can we come to <laughs> how can we come to a point where people are dying to put on a football tournament? You know, it's like six I, and a half thousand. I think so. Yeah, exactly. Not just like a couple of people. Yeah. I think we will get. I think we are at a point where some people. I like it's never going to be the majority. It's not like it, but I think some people are just completely turned off by it. You know, and I would. I have to say, we're going to cover it. I don't think we have a choice. I think we're in a position where... Think we're not a choice. I think we're in a position where we're a, we're a radio show, multimedia, uh, radio show about like that covers the sport that's happening. I don't think we have a choice not to talk about the World Cup as it's on. I think that ultimately that is our listeners to decide whether they want to hear it or not. But for me, I don't think that... that the fact that it's a, it's a football World Cup, it's happening, I think we have to cover. I think we will also endeavour, as we have all along, to cover all aspects of it, and that includes um, this very conversation, right? Um, that's, that's just my personal opinion, but in terms of not watching it as a fan, I'm, I have to say I'm certainly not as excited as I normally would be for a World Cup. I feel incredibly conflicted about the whole thing. It's gross. Yeah. This is probably the word that jumps to mind for it. Like yeah. The whole thing is disgusting. I'm the Australian the national team, I think, put it extremely well in the video, which they released uh, late last week, whereby they looked at what the legacy of the World Cup is going to be. And they were saying that the legacy really should be, when there's an opportunity now to perhaps discuss change within Qatar, would be the idea that workers would be allowed to unionise, that what's happened now would never be allowed to happen again, that there would be discussions about... LGBT rights, even though they expect that they're probably not going to change over the course of a tournament, and that maybe FIFA would learn about 
perhaps the way that they've awarded the tournament this time around. From us, I think like we can do both. I think we can talk about what Neymar, Messi, all these guys do on the pitch, and at the same time talk about the much wider debate. And I think the journalists who go to Qatar for the World Cup are very, very likely to do that as well. Like it is incredibly troubling when you see some of the reaction from the journalists from Qatar who spoke at the weekend and particularly was on social media about the idea that you know people who were gay that go to the tournament will not be welcome within Qatar and that was being welcomed by some of the journalists there. I think that has to be something that has to be discussed in a much wider sense around the World Cup. We can't just be saying right we care what happened in Group G today but it is possible to discuss that and also discuss what's on the field simultaneously. Mm. Yeah, I must say, as it gets closer and closer, I'm just so mm. appalled. Like, even your phrase there, the Australian saying it can never happen again. We're, it's 2022. We're not talking about, you know, stampedes at sta- stadiums or some ancient phenomenon that we've outgrown. I mean, Excuse me. it's, it was just so abhorrent the way it was bought and then the way FIFA sponsors everybody just sat on their hands. Journalists did actually, I know it's easy to criticise the media, but like some of the work The Guardian and others did was actually exceptional. To go in there, to find out what's happening, to tell the world about it, scream about it. And still, what have FIFA and sponsors done? And now here we are and it's just going to happen. I mean, I, if I had annual leave left, I think I'd take it. Knowing I really, yeah, I understand the thought that, of yeah. having to talk about the football as if it's in any way important is just grim. Like I'm going to be faking it across this month. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I'm going to be the World Cup final. Let's talk about it. But I mean, the whole thing's disgusting, really. And um, I, I just can't believe it's been allowed unfold year after. Yeah. You know, it, we started doing stories. The Guardian started doing this in 2014. Yeah. And I can't many thousands of people died since. And then the LGBTQ and we situation. We would have talked about it. I remember sitting in a meeting when in, in off the ball meeting in the meeting room behind us when somebody was telling us about that story and talking about the migrant deaths. Yeah. And like, I mean, going, sorry, what? You know, like it was that much of a bolt. You're talking nearly 10 years ago. Yeah. This like, you know, and Certainly eight. And I thought in 14 when that first sorry, it was It was eight years it ago. Would, I just mean, in terms of... I thought it would be sorted out very quickly then. That actually FIFA sponsors couldn't stand over it. They would go in with bags of cash, build... Yeah. Uh, proper accommodation, ensure good working hours, sort the whole thing out almost overnight. And they didn't. No. Like that is the staggering thing from 2014. They didn't sort it out. Yeah. And now, like this fiasco is about to be unfurled. All the colour and all the propaganda, all the PR. Like, I think if I wasn't working in it and had to do it, I'd say sod them all. I'm kind of And keep a keep a very casual eye on it just out of, oh, who won the World Cup? And, or who, you know, if there's a big game, maybe watch it, maybe. But even then, with sort of, you know, uh, an air of this is all grotesque, really. You said as it was getting closer, you're getting more perturbed. But I'm finding that as it was like, as of two or three months ago, I'm like, you know what? When the World Cup comes around, not that we'll forget all this, but we'll get into it and we'll, the closer it gets, the less I want it to happen. I think it's because as it like happens, it, there's this sense that they've gone away, they've getting, they're after getting away with it, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Do you know? Is it Pat the emailer? Yeah. Sorry, I've forgotten his name, but uh, he made one good point there that, and this is what I thought would happen. I thought that a big organization, a Germany, an England, a whoever, like would make a stand and say, we're not going. And I thought that the dominoes would fall from there. And that happened, that, that happened, that had to happen two or three years ago. 
and it would like you know whatever give the tournament to England. Yeah. You know maybe there, maybe there's there's not that's not a great thing either, but it's a better it's better than this. And I thought it would happen, and it just never did. Nobody took that step, and I really do think that if Germany didn't go, for example, I think it would have been too big a statement, too big a protest, not to for others to follow. Yeah, because this isn't even. I don't even think a... you could justify going. Sure. If somebody is as big and a chance to win the World Cup type country didn't also. Like this isn't even a oh history's going to judge this one badly kind of thing. The present is judging it badly. I've been judging it badly for the last eight years. It's quite grim to the effect though that it doesn't. Um, it doesn't mean no, it'll mean nothing. FIFA's too big to fail in this the regard. Thing. There's nothing. It just doesn't. It's quite empty. Even it's not empty talking about it because we're talking about something. I suppose you know, real life and stuff. But from a perspective of changing, I, precisely from perspective of change, not, we not might happen. as well be whistling for these fifteen yeah, minutes. It won't happen. Yeah. Be, nothing like that will happen. Like and I know you say about Germany or whatever else. I'm not even convinced by that. That's yeah, not maybe, where yeah. FIFA's interests are. It's not the sort of voting blocks they need. To I meant power. others would follow. I meant England yeah. couldn't justify going if Germany didn't, and so on. Maybe. You know? maybe I'm very cynical. I think another team would step in and play. Yeah, I think in a heartbeat. But there'd be such an asterisk beside the thing. And I think another country, like if if one big nation, one former winner, withdrew, I think the pressure then on. England to withdraw even from its own media would be overwhelming mm. even if the FA deep down didn't want to or even if the players and it's a different out. circumstance but look at Denmark walking in 1992 to replace Yugoslavia but for the same reason that we'll oh, be that's different. about it. Yeah, it's totally different but I, I, think, I think there's plenty of countries who didn't qualify who would happily step in so there was nothing wrong with that tournament like there was that yeah. was a tournament in Sweden this is a different situation in that Yugoslavia self-combusted and could not take part in, in an international tournament that spot was there you know, I don't know. I know what you mean. Well, my thinking is more, though, if one big country was to pull out, I don't necessarily think there'd be a domino that others would pull out. I would have liked to see it. I, I, I know what you mean. I'm probably being a little bit simplistic on it or, or idealistic or whatever, but I, I really, and I thought it would be Germany. I don't know why I have this. Maybe it's just because they, they were making the right noises for long enough, you know. Um, we'll never know now, I suppose. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I don't know. It's just it's so so grim. Like we're talking about the last World Cup of Messi. We're talking about the last World Cup of Ronaldo. Messi in particular, who some people feel like it's For coming sure. around in well, a way. We, that we can't. We, like you can't tie them in. They're profiting from the same stuff. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I agree with you. I'm we're saying the nostalgia thing of it. Then, like, yeah, like, screw Messi and his holiday in Qatar. No, you're right. And look, I mean, he plays for Qatar. I'm not. Ta- I'm not defending Messi here. I'm talking to you about. We romanticise the World Cup. We've been watching it every four years. I remember even like as late as 2010. You were there in 2014. You know what I mean? There's like, and there was lots of problems there. We were doing pieces on the show. You were sure. sending back pieces about Fafellas and everything like that, and all that, that was wrong yeah. with Brazil. But it was still we were doing that and covering it well. But we were also able to talk about a football tournament. Whereas now it's like what I'm saying is, from a pure sporting point of view, we're at the we're at the last World Cup of an era. Of yeah, no, it, know, should Ronaldo, it should be great. Messi, Ronaldo, everything yeah, else yeah. that's happening. No, you're right, and like Brazil, Brazil was all like the corruption in Brazil. I mean, it was, it was that was like an exercise in the transfer of public money to private hands. I mean, the things that went on there were absolutely extraordinary. I mean, so like you want to see the breakdown of costs for different stadiums and mm. how much like a hand dryer cost, yeah. uh, like you know thousands <laughs> of euro for that hand dryer. So I mean, what went on in, in that kind of a um, so it was grim. But we we almost just take that as well. Look. 
that's just the reality of human nature and that sort of happens around most of these events. This is on a different stratosphere. Absolutely, yeah. Different Absolutely, stratosphere. Yeah. I appreciate the migrant workers definitely brings it to a totally different level. But did we feel uncomfortable about 2018 when Russia hosted the World Cup? It's a good question. I think in retrospect, not uncomfortable enough, clearly. I think people just didn't like it. They mm. just didn't. They, they thought it was a crap place for a World Cup and lots of other reasons. But I don't think we looked into it enough, no. Absolutely not. And I suppose Europe at large, I mean, even at a political level, I know Crimea had happened, but there was still a degree of almost being asleep at the wheel a little bit with Putin and just how insane he is. Yeah, I think as well, just the fact that Russia had not really been punished at that point sufficiently for the state sponsored doping as well and still got to host major events yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sochi and like the World Cup. And no, you're right. Maybe there's a degree of, of compensation going on that, well, we've we've let one of these slide mm. and Russia should have been examined more. So perhaps, yeah, there's a bit of that. I think we'd all be a lot more comfortable if Australia, who were likely to win that bid back in 2011, were getting ready to host the World Cup next year. Yeah. They get the Women's yeah. World Cup instead. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe there'll be some kind of unexpected protest by individual players at the yeah. tournament. Yeah. And that'll I mean, all there was in the World Cup final as well in 2018. There in, was? Yeah. Wasn't there onto the pitch? I forget the name of the group. Oh, right, okay. There was definitely something, though, in the final. But not by players. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's my, oh, sorry, protests around it. Oh, protests by players. Uh, no, well, I suppose during the 20, 2021, didn't, it wasn't Mats Hummels. Who's the German player? Wore the rainbow something when they were playing Hungary. Okay. Uh, uh, some of the texts in. I watched every World Cup since 1974. I won't be watching this one as hard as that's going to be, says one texture. I already wasn't going to watch any of it. Even Ireland were in it to somebody else. I lads, I agree with everything you're saying about the Qatar World Cup, but I have an 11 year old mad kid at home. The World Cup every four years gives my son and myself very few opportunities uh, to enjoy it together as father and kid and get involved with the Panini sticker albums and the wall charts and the like. I can't ignore this World Cup, says another texture. And that's that 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 one the last is, the guitar think, that that one, I think, is where people will really struggle because the World Cup is that Thing. It is that communal football watching. It is it is a unique every four year experience. Yeah. I think there is something. Like not, I remember I'm watching sure World Cup with that, etc. Set you know. your eleven year old either with no, the, absolutely. You know, and, and that's it. what I mean. And it's like there's something like look, kids aren't even watching football in the way they used to. You know, I think a World Cup is important in that regard to come around every now and then. So it's like the games every day and watch it in a way. So you're not just like waiting on oh, sure. paywall TV or watching clips on YouTube, etc. Can you, you know? um, can you anticipate the feeling we're all going to have 45 minutes after the World Cup final? I'm dreading that. Was feeling. it for this? I'm dreading that feeling. There's going to be such a sense of what an absolute thundering disgrace all that was. Yeah. yeah, you know, like as whoever parades around with the World Cup trophy and Grant, there'll be just a sense of. I mean, the optimistic ugh. side is, you're hopeful that some kind of proper compensation package is put in place for the seven thousand people who lost their lives as migrant workers putting these white elephant stadiums together. Like some of these stadiums are being taken apart and moved elsewhere. Why do Why do you think there'll be some kind of package yeah, now? Why will it be any better now that the it's pressure has been on for the last six seven years? The pressure could not have been more real for the last six seven mm. eight years. The, the The worry of a Germany, as Mick said, pulling out because things weren't being addressed over the last six seven years. Like honestly, as soon as this thing is over, that's why I mentioned that feeling you're going to have after the full time whistle goes. Mm. Migrant workers, like good luck. Any leverage is gone. 
Yeah, and like you would, you would wonder, obviously, the regime in Qatar have argued that they have brought in reforms over the last two years in particular, yeah. and the feeling is that the reforms have not gone far enough. Or haven't been enforced in certain instances. As you say, the leverage for any type of reforms past December the 18th is probably yeah. very, and very long. They're fighting them already over like cause of death and everything like that. It's disgusting. Like, it really is awful. Can I ask a question on, we're talking about Messi there, right? Yeah. So, holiday in Qatar. Yeah, Messi. look, holiday, holiday in Qatar, work for Qatar, like, Loads of works for the Saudi foreign, what do they call it, foreign office now at this stage for the tourism department as well. Yeah, loads of moral issues, right, that, that I don't think are, are even questionable at this stage. And yet there's a part of you that sees a footballer that you've watched for his entire career and probably admire more than any other footballer no, in with history. I'm no, but with I, so, so you did. The, I, hope the, it doesn't, I, hope, I hope this World Cup's a disaster for him. Yeah. I just I, I don't know how I feel because I've always he's been my favourite ever footballer from a purely sporting point of view. I like the man less and less. The more I hear of him, the more he does, hmm. right? But I just I don't know where to draw the line. That like I mean, there's there's obviously questions about Ronaldo. There's been accusations about Ronaldo, etc. Like that, you know. And then there's also one or one A as best footballers of all time. It is just a. It's an interesting way to think. It's it's just an interesting question, I think, because I don't know how I feel about that. Because you can there's a there's admiration as a sport outside of the person, but it, I don't know. Mm. I find that harder and harder. I suppose the art of the artist. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, Marseille have taken the lead against Spurs. We should say. Yeah, so. and Bembe has just scored for them and Marseille have been all over Spurs for the last few minutes as well so Spurs need at least a point if they're going to qualify and look under a bit of pressure at the moment Antonio Conte in the stands he was obviously sent off after the VAR protest uh, last week so he's um, been seen regularly on camera muttering to himself and as things stand Spurs in a bit of trouble Son has gone off we're just about to go half time seven minutes of out of time in that game uh, somebody says best commentary ever oh this was on Jonathan Liu's piece about having no commentators was from 1989 Ireland against Northern Ireland game Ireland 3-0 up South Terrace in full voice singing K Sera Sera Jimmy McGee paused let the crowd sing and then said at the end that Doris Day never sang like that <laughs> which is a pretty good line <laughs> if uh, I'm watching at home I'd rather listen to the commentator than Egypt's giving out about the referees as somebody else as in I guess the crowd um, oh sugar I didn't have time I meant to ask uh, in light of Shame's power winning for a second time in the PGA Tour. So he's in incredibly rarefied atmosphere of multiple PGA Tour winner. Ireland has produced very few golfers of that ilk. I was uh, saying to you guys earlier, like Seamus Power could walk down Grafton Street. Probably wouldn't be recognised once. Maybe if he was in his golf gear, he might be recognised <laughs> five or times. with the hat on, yeah. probably, yeah. Uh, but definitely, I wouldn't say unloved, because I think people say, geez, good on him. And, and you know, he, it wouldn't be unpopular in the slightest, but probably underappreciated uh, sports person in Ireland. Is there anyone else more under underappreciated? I, I can't think of anyone just now. Don't say Paula Dunneman. He's now crossed the line into the most appreciated, underappreciated sports person. My slightly underappreciated person is Damien Duff because oh. we always talk about Robbie and we always talk about Roy. Duffer, no, come Duffer, on. 100 caps, two Premier League titles. He does not get the same positive PR that some of the other guys I, of the generation I think get. he gets more positive PR than Robbie Keane. If anyone's underappreciated, it's Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane, 68 Ooh. goals. Yeah. 68 goals. Yeah. I think Keane is, is way more underappreciated oh, the only than time I think people Robbie. love Duffer and they, there's a there's a likability issue in, in certain quarters with Robbie. The only time we talk positively about Robbie is when we say Robbie Keane's not growing trees. 
There's no, there's no actual analysis of the fact that he got 68 goals yeah. and the next best is 21. See, I think he is heavily appreciated because even if you don't particularly like him, people will say, we never were able to replace Robbie Keane. Or if Robbie Keane was That's here, true. even with an average Republic of Ireland team, Robbie Keane would score the goals that would make Ireland a better team. No one says you can't replace Duffer. Exactly. He's loved though. He is beloved. beloved. Don't get me wrong. But he can be a bit underappreciated for his talents. John O'Shea? Yeah. John O'Shea had an incredible career. Won, I don't even know how many titles in Man United, won Champions League. He's never the star of those over Man United caps for Ireland. Yeah. yeah, but like Seamus Power isn't the star of the PGA Tour, but he's... A, he's, he's <laughs> well, John O'Shea's very... John O'Shea would get recognised on, going down in college. Well, yeah. Okay, even if yeah, he wasn't his Man United jersey. No, okay. But <laughs> 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 um, okay. Who's, do you have anyone else? Um... I don't think so. Seamus Power will be right up there. I know him for you, Arthur. <laughs> Poor Fenton McCarthy. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say Paul O'Donovan anymore, so Fenton McCarthy's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Paddy uh, Barnes has, uh, is one of very, 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 I think two Irish people ever. Paul O'Donovan been the other one to win uh, Olympic medals at two separate Olympic Games. Yeah. I think that mm. is something that, oh, uh, again, you would recognise Paddy Barnes walking down the road, but I don't know if many if people truly appreciate how you know, elite a boxer he was for as long as he was. Uh, it came up on the rugby chat with Rory there. I don't think he's underappreciated because everybody knows how good he certainly was at his peak, but it, just it, recency bias. Conor Murray was across the Sunday papers and you know there was a line, I think it was in Peter Riley's piece, that as he's about to win his 100th cap for Ireland, he's never been more uncherished by the mm. sporting public. And he was making the point like when World Rugby did the team of the decade for the 2010s, there were only four players from the Northern Hemisphere on it. It was like O'Driscoll, Sergio Parise, I think maybe George North and Murray. Exception didn't even get onto it. So he was at his peak, unbelievable. And yet there's probably a sense now of, oh, Conor Murray slows it down, box kick, which is mm, yeah. a touch unfair, really, when you think about it. He's maybe been a victim of Ireland changing style a little yeah, bit too. Time. That exactly. now everyone likes Jameson Gibson Park because they enjoy the rugby that Ireland are currently playing, and people forget that Conor Murray was the starting Lions scrum half. Mm. Yeah, there might be one or two rugby guys from that era actually that might not have been like I know Murray's still on, but like for you know you had Sexton, O'Connell, you know all these like you know Driscoll even. Like, does Jamie Heaslip get enough credit for how good a rugby no. player he was? Mm. Jamie Heaslip was someone that always stood out to me when I went to a game. Yeah. You know, like more so than maybe on the TV or so. And you know, like the he's, 09 lines. He's on TV and he's the character he is, and he had that podcast tweet before. And, you know, I think people forget that Jamie Heaslip was like one of Ireland's best ever players. Like, yeah. Does Heaslip get credit for not actually making a podcast after that? <laughs> <laughs> like, given the tweet was clearly set up to start a podcast, then maybe he's like, right, I've taken the feedback and just like, I'll do one. <laughs> That must have been one of the worst. <laughs> like, talk about feedback on Twitter. We were talking about earlier. That's that's a don't send a tweet one. Like, yeah, you know. don't don't ever tweet. Is Full the, circle. the main message there? Are we pretty Rory much done? Is underappreciated. Somebody says Roy McIlroy. Yeah. Well, listen. Absolutely. <laughs> so underappreciated. It's it's beyond belief. We just don't know how to appreciate someone like that, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. He feels like, like a distant. Like even I don't think I'm not figure. sure to what degree. I know I know Roy Keane the mania has always kind of been there. Certainly as long as I've been kind of I know, we appreciate Roy. He's appreciated. Yeah. No, but I, I even mean like for his ability. Yeah, I think he is. I, I, no, I, I appreciate now, but like in, in general, I don't know, has that appreciation always been as vivid in how, like, I, I don't know, maybe that's maybe something else, but it, it doesn't... Um, 
No, I think Keane was like Man United, the most supported team in the country, captain of them. But I suppose that what I'm kind of thinking is he, he was bigger than that. So it was a, he was a, a continental giant, if you know what I mean. Like it wasn't just a mm. best midfielder in the Premier League. It was it kind of did go further than that. I know it's slightly short in time, but is yeah, the reason that we really short in time don't hold Rory McIlroy in his highest team as we should? Oh, here we go. We we, <laughs> u- we use the yardstick of Rory McIlroy as to what we expected would happen after he won his fourth major. So in a way, Rory McIlroy should be an absolutely massive star, number one in the world. The guy who's gone up against Live Golf, tremendously consistent, winning the PGA Tour title a couple of times in recent years, despite not getting more majors, because we thought that Rory McIlroy would be at a different position than where he is now. Yes, okay. yeah, that's fair. We made yeah, it unfair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. We thought he'd have ten by now. Yeah, I was watching an old Ryder Cup and Paul McGinley. On it. I was like, this Paul McGinley, we always thought it was like below Clark, below Harrington, McElroy coming through. Paul McGinley played in about five Ryder Cups. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you kind of, like, what you think now how far away a lot of the Irish golfers would be from that. He's like, the world's that, top 20. So that was absolutely underappreciated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Okay, we got to go. That was a slight tangent. We will be back in the next week or two. We're certainly going to do it every two weeks uh, if we can. So uh, thanks to Arthur, Mick, and Will.